Okay. How many M's in immunity, Jody? Uh, there's two now. That's four. Two. Four? At least four, right? Yeah. Um, it's okay. immunity. I guess I should probably turn off my notifications there. They're silent. Let's start the podcast. All right. Hey, everybody. Oh, oh you're down here. Uh, welcome. We, it is Wednesday night here on Live Long and Podcast, and we are talking Star Trek, the original series. Let's bring in our panel. First, my dad, Ted. How are you doing, dad? Hello. How are you? I'm good. Salutations. Also bringing in a steam panelist, Jody Simpson. How are you doing, Jody? I'm doing. That's good. Uh, we're, uh, we also have my brother, Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? Good. And Very last good. but not least, we have esteemed panelist Adam Woodward. Hey, I'm good. Hey, how you doing? Good. I don't know how. And, it's aimed, anyway. and we are talking the immunity syndrome from the second season of Star Trek: The Original Series, which um, I I quite liked this tonight. I thought this was a pretty good episode. But uh, we're going to talk about the to the panel and get some opinions. Um, I'm going to start with Dad first. Dad, you want to, you want to comment on the immunity syndrome? Uh, sure. What do you want to know? Did you like it? Yes, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it was um, it was uh, an interesting episode. Uh, flying into a black hole uh, without any idea where you're going, but uh, I guess that's the uh, I guess that's what starships are supposed to do. So they did it. They went up. They went with their their mission to try and find out what's going on and then almost died, yeah. but they destroyed the thing in the end. So it turned out all good. Yeah. Okay. Well, Hey, that, fair enough. Uh, it, it, it did work out. Um, let's go to Jody next. Jody, what did you think of the immunity syndrome? Boring. Boring. Boring episode. <laughs> what else? Uh, that was pretty much it. And, um, well, no, in, in all seriousness, it wasn't terrible, but it's, sorry, I got to like adjust her. Um, it wasn't terrible, but it was definitely not a great episode. In my opinion, it was kind of, it was just literally the same thing over and over and over again. Like they just kept repeating the same shit. You know, that whole like blurb between like Kirk and like Spock, he's like, he's like, Spock, it can't be unknown. You must, you must know. And he's like, well, what the fuck do you want me to do? I got no fucking information. Like, you know, and then it just like looped again and again and again. It's like, it, it's like they had 20 minutes worth of actual talking and then they decided they, they were going to stretch that out. There's just a lot of unnecessary dialogue in this episode, I think. Okay. Let's go to Jeff. Jeff, do you agree with Jody? About what? Exactly. This it, well, it was, his his premise was that it was boring, and it just went. It was a lot of the the plot was going in circles. It, it, it's a it's accurate, but I think it's dumbing it down. This is like Star Trek original series made the movie Interstellar. You know, they they had the idea to make that movie, and they were like, "But we have no special effects, so we're just gonna have to like pretend that we're like." Like our ship's always going to have to forward thrust, and uh, you know, there's this problem solving aspect, which I think you know became a staple of Star Trek. Uh, like these kind of episodes, like the, it reminded me a lot of like Voyager and like what came later. But at the same time, it's a boring episode. Everybody, nobody seems um like like nobody seems to have any energy in any of the scenes. Yeah. Other 
And I like just oh. going through the motions. It feels like like nobody really liked the story or bought into the premise or something was up with this episode. I don't know how you guys felt, but like it felt like off. Like it felt like like not a well executed episode, but at the same time reminding me a lot of like what will come later. Okay. Yeah. All right, Adam. Adam, we haven't heard from you yet on the immunity syndrome. You've heard from Dad. You've heard from Jody. Uh, you heard from Jeff. You heard I liked it. So where where you sit? I, um, I the episode for me started pretty well. Uh, Your audio is a bit low, Adam. Sorry, can you hear me now? Better. Yeah, you're good now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the episode for me started slow. I mean, started well. You know, interesting premise. Um, you know, you know when when Spock is injured, I I'm, I'm curious what's going on, but. Jody's right. It, it got long. It got boring. And I, you know, just I was waiting for the episode to end. Yeah, uh, there, came, there came a point where you're just kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah. almost a relief. I mean, I mean, good storyline. There's some, you know, uh, interesting um, parallels to what's going on today. You know, but I, I found it uh, just a little tiring. You know, and, and I'm glad you guys are saying the, the same thing because I was like, this was Sunday night, you know, at nine o'clock. I think maybe I'm just tired, but I, I'm clearly not. So that's good. Well, no, remind me a little bit of that. Uh, David, it reminded me of the, a little bit of the very first Star Trek movie when they when they were going <laughs> looking for V'ger. Remember V'ger? Yeah. yeah it reminded me of that. They were like kind of that idea. That's not high boring too. Yeah, boring as well. Um, no, that's not high praise. No. Yeah. You know yeah. what? I'm going to tell you why this yeah, episode is good. No you know. All right. Tell no. tell me, Dave. Why is it I'm good? Why is it, why, tell me why it deserves a mark above a five in a grade. There's some great things established in this episode, uh, including um, the all Vulcan crew of the USS Intrepid, who was destroyed before uh, the Enterprise encountered this entity. Um, which establishes well uh, some of the more inner workings of Starfleet, and and how the uh, and and why Starfleet seems to be human dominated when maybe in fact it's not. Uh, perhaps that these ships are just manned by crews of a particular species member species in the Federation, and uh, and and here you know we, and we see that uh, or we hear more. It's more uh, told to us through dialogue that this crew was killed. That's Spock's connection with those other Vulcans and and how their fate is seems inevitable for the crew of the Enterprise, the peril. We talked a lot about the energy being drained, but that was the whole point. This amoeba was draining their energy. So of course they're gonna play it tired. Like um, how many times how many times in this episode, Dave, did Scotty say like the percentage of energy that had been drained? He said it like five times to Kirk. How many times did Kirk say Kirk out? He said it like ten times in this episode. This was, was they had to work together here, guys. They had to all coordinate just to save the ship, like you know. And uh, yeah, they had to work together. They're on a mission. Nothing, on a mission. nothing is happening the entire episode. The mission is they're surrounded by an amoeba that won't let them leave, and that's like literally forty-five minutes of that is like too long. It was going to invade our galaxy. They don't Jeff. know they what saved. it is, Jeff. You know what it is. They didn't know. Okay, Help, but it, like, ju just from a, a point of television, <laughs> it just wasn't paced well. Does that make sense? No. So let's let's get into it. Um, into the plot of the episode. I, mean, that I didn't means. know you were the defining factor on that one, Dave. Well, 
I'm one of them. So <laughs> let's get into it. So it starts off with the crew headed towards shore leave. They've been out for a while. They're going, but they get they get a call that they're, the um, there's the, the intrep the intrepid something's going wrong. They're getting a weird distress call, and that's when Spock gets this revelation, the sudden telepathic flash that the the all these Vulcans have died, right? And he reacts very. Um, quite quite instantly to it and he's saying the the ship was destroyed and then they get this call from from the starbase that kind of confirms that while spock goes down to um down to sick bay to get checked out by mccoy so that kind of starts this whole mystery along and it, when starbase calls and tells kirk that they have to go check it out he was like come on man we're headed for vacation this is really not the time there's gotta be another ship but there's no other ship uh, did you mention that every time that uh, that that uh, Kirk mentioned shore leave, he checked out the girl's butt, whoever was walking by? Um, yeah, he even did it at the end. He like signed yeah, the pad at the end. Signed the pad at the end. And he's like, "I'm gonna sign you later." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he totally does. It's uh, <laughs> it's quite the yeah. No, I don't know. I definitely noticed it. But so anyway, they're sent on this mission, and they uh, they approach it, and they. They start to piece together that yeah, the Intrepid's destroyed. This whole solar system's destroyed. Uh, here, I'm just gonna take that off screen for a second and show. This is what they find. It's this black hole in space. They don't know how to what it is. Spock can't tell anything about it, which is very frustrating to Kirk. Um, yeah, we get a ten minute fucking dialogue about it. It's brutal. Yeah, he melts them off the whole time. Like it, it's just it's ridiculous. We're wow, we're going through like we got like tons of screens going. I got here. a few different images here, but okay. I guess my question is: when they find this thing and they know that the intrepids, or they know that intrepids, probably been destroyed, and where where is it? But uh, it's before they get here. It's right here. So they find this thing, and Kirk is at a hundred thousand kilometers away. He chooses to get closer to it until the point where they're pulled in and they can't get out. Right. Yeah, like, what's up with this? Like, why is everybody in Starfleet so fucking retarded when it comes to black holes in the middle of fucking space? Like, why do you keep going into them? Like, they, let's go closer. Like, that's always the solution. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like, you're in the middle of nowhere. You have no fucking idea what's going on around you. And the first instinct is to go at the fucking black hole. Like... Well, I thought it was a poor. Okay, Kirk. I, I think people are telling. Uh, I think what is is it McCoy who says we need to get out of here. This is before they go inside, right? This yeah. is just when they send the Why pro. Why did they ever listen to McCoy? He's like, let's 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 get out of here. He says, no, we're here to investigate, and that's what we're going to do. He suggests survival. Yeah, he suggests survival. Was this the right call for Kirk? Ultimately, knowing that this amoeba was going to invade our galaxy and maybe eat our whole galaxy. I don't even remember that being an it turned issue. Turned out it was the right call. Yes, it turned like, out was, to be the right call. Was this thing actually moving? Because I don't remember them mentioning that. Yeah, but, but it was about destroyed. To separate. Sorry, Adam. I thought it was about to like multiply and separate. Like, yeah, like, well, that, they find that out near the end. Yes, yeah. what? that it's going to multiply. Well, yeah. even if it multiplies and it's fucking eons away, what makes you think it's coming to us? Well, it ate the solar system and then it moved and ate the ship, right? So yeah, it, does it ate move. the all Romulan ship. Okay, well that's great. Well, if it already ate a whole fucking ship, why are you going near it? Well, they got to find out what happened. That's their job. It ate that's, a whole that's Kirk's <laughs> rationale. I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but that's what that's what they end up doing here. And so they end up inside, and they can't yeah. get out. 
the one thing I've learned about watch doing this rewatch with you guys is how terrible Kirk is a captain. Yeah, he's pretty bad. Yeah, he's not good. Comparatively, he makes some questionable decisions. Uh, like, don't get me wrong, he's no Janeway, but still. Spock <laughs> should be the captain. I mean, really, he's the most sensible. Fucking McCoy should be the captain. He's the only one who has enough brains to figure out that he's going to not kill people. Well, Spock threw some shade in this episode, called him, thank you, Captain McCoy, for your... That's right, and that <laughs> should have been right. <laughs> right. Maybe it's <laughs> foreshadowing. Um... Yeah, and then it just becomes this like slow burn that they're slowly going, they're slowly dying, right? That they, that it's that's kind of the tension, and I think that that's maybe what's not working for some of us here. That we're just like it was slow, and we I, I, obviously we know they get out. They should have so, called this the the mono syndrome. So right. fucking boring, and it's like everybody's so slow and sleepy and. Yeah, nothing's really happening. Like the 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 ship is like never really even shaking, even though like they're supposed to be in this dire situation. They're just like going about like drinking coffee, trying to solve the problem. And it's just like there's things like about like I don't know, like it just doesn't seem like they're in this bad situation. Like it should be. You know what I mean? Like, well, let me ask you this: I, Does the dialogue from Spock uh, not get you going a little bit? Where he says that he could hear the death scream of 400 Vulcan minds crying out over the. That, that's why the beginning of the episode was so good because that's yeah, why, yeah exactly. There was some great stuff that you know got me interested right away. Like whoa, whoa, that was the hook. Yeah, the death scream. Yeah, okay, sure. great. Now let's go find out what happened to Intrepid. I guess they were destroyed by the amoeba, but we never really talked about right. it after. You know, and what then, ended up happening? It, the episode ended up becoming a Kirk-centric episode when it could have been a Spock-centric yeah. episode. And yeah. this is what I think always happened on the original series. Is but, that he also talked about like a billion people in that solar system dying, like a billion. Like again, that was. I mean, what are you going to do about it? But I mean, it, it's interesting. Again, that's a, a lot of people. So now, now we're trapped inside the amoeba with no power and a problem. And the, the one, for me, the one endearing part of this whole episode was when Kirk actually was trying to decide who goes in the shuttle, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he did seem, finally, to have a little bit of um, 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 emotion about who goes, you know, rather than, I mean, because they're his friends, but, yeah. you know, rather than just send the, send the red shirt, you know, because he never seems to care about them, but he certainly did care about whether Kirk or McCoy or he he did go. And that, that was a real moment, I thought, for, for once. Well, I'm sure the red shirts aren't uh, aren't trained on the devices that are required for this mission. True. Like, yeah, I'm sure they could fly a shuttle, but I don't think they could work all the instruments that they Can needed. McCoy fly a shuttle? No, no that no, you, I mean, he probably could have, but like, yeah, like that's what he says, Kirk, right? He says he, he um, Spock's more qualified for this job. I get probably just that flying. The, yeah, and then McCoy got his panties in a knot, and it's like that's kind of against McCoy's whole character because McCoy, through the entire series, is like, I don't want to deal with the fucking massive killers and shit like that. Like, I'll stay here; it's fine. <laughs> so why is he so eager to get killed in this one? Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, I just think death is kind of like a theme in this episode, right? And and I well, I, I keep coming yeah. back to this earlier part where Spock's talking to McCoy, where he says, you know. You humans find it easier to understand the death of one than the death of a million. You speak about how Vulcans are cold, but yet there's you guys are even worse in that sense, right? And McCoy says, "Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to suffer the death of thy neighbor." Um, 
And he says, well, maybe if you did, you wouldn't have such a bloody history. So there's, there is some good dialogue, I think here, some oh, yeah. interesting ideas, but we also get a lot of like, maybe there needed to be more story than we got. Really? Yeah, the, um, the things that you seem to really like, David, is the Spock stuff. Yes. Yeah. But we don't, we don't get a lot of that in the episode. But we I get, think we can all agree the know. Spock stuff is the good stuff in this episode. Like yeah, everything really else is pretty like Scotty's completely wasted on this. He literally is just a guy that's literally reading a screen the yeah. entire time. Kirk it's says, like, we have 30% power now. We have 10% power now. We have 3% power now. Well, yeah. The battery's running out. Um, Kirk says, what is it you sent Spock? And he goes, the touch of death. And he says, what do you think they felt? Astonishment. I thought that was great. Um, you know, just like the, there's a, there's a bit of a the, the, just a tension there, right? Somebody and the fact was that they say on the jazz cabbage on that one, though. On the what? <laughs> on the jazz cabbage. The jazz cabbage. <laughs> yeah, the weed. Okay, the jazz cabbage. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I'm trying to remember the details of the plot. So maybe you're right. There's there's not a lot going on here. Basically, they they're they're just constantly trying to problem solve. How do we keep more energy? Uh, when we when we try to go forward thrust, we end up going backwards and vice versa. So there's some counterintuitive that leads them to figure out that the antimatter is what they're going to need to ultimately defeat this thing. But uh, it's yeah, it, it's kind of Spock volunteering for this mission, going on the shuttle, the logs that Kirk and Spock both give respectively about uh, the 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 mutual admiration they have for one another in this crisis. I think this is a, it's a, there's a lot of building here around, in particular, I'd say Kirk McCoy, Scott, Spock, and maybe Scotty a little bit, right? Um, they're heavily featured. Uhura's not really, and Chekhov and those guys, they're mostly background. Or well, they're there to fall person. down. That's really, they're there to faint and yeah, fall down. And do some amazing flips over those, when the shape was. Uh, I love it when they do the flips. <laughs> the, one, the one red shirt that uh, was on the uh, on the opposite side of the bridge, and like he gets up, he stands up, and then he goes, oh. you know, like it's just, and you can see him put his arms out, and he's like, oh, like that, right? Like it's just, it's so bad. There was a blue uh, shirt who like threw himself right across the bridge. Never gave him a hypo either. <laughs> well, no, he was already on the ground. He never gave that guy a hypo. Well, he's a red shirt. You don't waste it on red shirts. Speaking so of hypos, Dad, do you think that uh, Kirk was taking too many stims? Oh yeah, he's yes. Apparently, he was he was hooked on it. But I, he said to Bones, "I have to give through the next seven minutes. I need one more." <laughs> right. <laughs> just just one more, just one more, McCoy. Just one more. <laughs> yeah, just one more. I need seven minutes. Well, how long okay. were they in this void? I'm trying to figure out too. Like, um, this is two hours. Just two hours. Yeah, That's what... just two hours. Yeah. Okay. I, I think so. When they got in, yeah. Once they got in, they were observing it for a while, and then they started pulling away. But when they actually got in, they only had two hours left. Okay, Jeff. Uh, when you saw like, them in the darkness here, in this void inside of the amoeba's field or whatever it was, did it make you think of Star Trek Voyager and the few times that Voyager was stuck in that like that the, in, in the, the void? void. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the episode itself and the structure of it reminded me a lot of what would come in Voyager and in Deep Space Nine. And the kind of like, okay, so they go into something and then they have to figure out the problem solving for the rest of the episode. I think those shows figured out that you, you need to you need to come at the viewer a little quicker with a like, a, like change it up a bit and throw a curveball. 
this episode's like it's too straightforward in my opinion and that's yeah, kind of my beef with it I, i'm with you I, I was reminded of a couple next gen episodes where they got stuck in power draining areas um and the storytelling yeah, you guys look at it from a different perspective you're sure. looking at it from a different perspective which is you have the other episodes to go on they didn't have that back then this was the first one i was going to say that, I, I was gonna say that. Yeah, but this isn't the first yeah yeah but to be clear, this isn't even the first space monster fucking episode. Like, this is a formulatic thing that they did all through the second season. Literally, every second episode was a space wow. monster episode. It's like, oh come on. Yeah, and it's just, it's not one of the best of the bunch, but it definitely yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's a it's a foundational episode in a lot of ways. I would. What say, could be scarier than a later. space amoeba? Uh, damn near yeah. anything else. <laughs> Can you mention this was a movie? <laughs> like that was the movie. And and you know what? Maybe we gotta listen to Ted here and be a little more kinder to the fact this is the first time they sorry, not the first time, Jody, but the No. It, it is inaugural as far as the storytelling. Yeah, the on. first time they went through it. Because it, whenever whatever year this was done, it probably looked awesome. The fact that they were, you know, the crew is stuck in a place where they can't see the stars. We're gonna die in 47 minutes or whatever it was. Uh, I, I imagine that was yeah. pretty compelling in 1968, I guess, or whatever. Oh, for sure it was. 68, yeah, that's when it was. Yeah, like it, it's not, it's not Miri. Like it's not Miri. I get it. Okay. <laughs> okay. About it. One episode, I'd love you to not reference Miri. <laughs> no. no. Miri's had her say. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Miri Miri. sucks. I've never. I've noticed you guys never asked me to record another one since. <laughs> no, it was good. What, I'm glad I've seen it. Then? In some ways. Oh, I'm glad I've seen it too. Now I know to completely avoid it every time I do a rewatch. Yeah. That's all I got in terms of pictures here. It's like but, uh, it's like next up, Miri. Oh nope, let's skip that one. <laughs> right. There's also some great gifts in this uh, that come from this episode that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, I'm just gonna bring that up one moment, uh, including the one where where Is McCoy, it a McCoy and Kirk. Oh okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I thought just it might bring have been, that up here. But I thought it might have been the McCoy creepy smile at the end. You see this here? I'll bring this up. Um, oh, is this the smug? Uh, the you smug know when they do like that yeah. little like yes, yes to each yeah. other, like this one here. Uh, I'll just make it a little bigger. Uh, or even this one where McCoy or Kirk pats McCoy on the face with like this ha the <laughs> these happy came up with the answer, or whatever. But basically, this this is a famous gift where you always see like Kirk. And McCoy going, yes, yes. And it's because they tell Spock to shut up where you're going to save you even if it gets the rest of the crew killed. Yeah. Um, what did you mean? If you were not Kirk or McCoy, do you think you might be a little annoyed that that uh, they, they risked it all? Or did they do the right thing in saying, we don't leave a man behind. We're going to, that's what, that's what being the captain's all about. Well, that's what makes McCoy should have been a better captain. They should have gave McCoy his own science vessel and Maybe. did a whole uh, Beverly Crusher with him and just give him his own ship. And because he clearly is a good, uh, he could have been a science vessel. That's right. Right. Yeah, like Beverly Crusher went on to be a captain. That's right. She ended up being a captain, and mind well, you, she married Picard, and then we know that McCoy goes on to be an admiral. Well, yeah, but they all ended up being fucking admirals at one point or another. The exception of, like, Yahura. <laughs> so, like, you're, you're older. Yeah, so, you're older. Here's, hey, now you're an admiral. Enjoy. 
It's kind of yeah, like well, their version of retirement in uh, in Star Trek's universe. McCoy did oh. make it to the tender age of 137. So well, that's um, true. He was in Next Gen. Yeah. Did you know that, Dad? Yeah, I did know that. Yes, I think I saw that episode. Yeah, first he was 137. When he was really old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that episode. Yeah, but he wasn't that old in real life, right? Um, I'm out of questions. Um, <laughs> wow. I don't know, but like, what else? Like, uh, you know, like, there's, there's Dave, the whole. Did you notice, Dave? You know that guy was the. Uh, um, apparently, Sulu was filming the Green Beret, so he wasn't wasn't there. So they had to bring in this guy named Kyle. Yeah, and Kyle. Yeah, well, I, you know the guy. The, the guy was um, doing his. Um. Yeah, I but, saw but, that. But yeah, Kurt kept it's calling all, him it's Kyle. Second season. I'm sure Kyle. when we get the fun facts. When we, yeah. Uh, was it Kyle? No, it wasn't Kyle. Yeah, it was Kyle. Oh, yeah, was it was, it, Kyle. was he in well, a gold shirt? But Kurt called yeah. him Cowl. Called him Cowl. Well, because he was Cowl in a couple other episodes. <laughs> He was yeah. Cowell in a couple other episodes. He's like the O'Brien of the original Kirk series. Always the names. Uh, I, I think that was more along the lines of you yeah. know, hookers and blow on Shatner's part. Doesn't remember everything. Or he's just a bad captain. He doesn't yeah. remember his people's names. Um, well, he is a bad captain. We already know this. All right. You know I what's interesting? The, the the episode that came right before this was a piece of the action. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. So, I'd much rather watch that. Episode. <laughs> that was a much better episode. Interesting. Uh, 100%, 100% less Space Amoebas. I thought they needed to stop this damn Space Amoeba. That's what I say. I think it was a threat to the galaxy, and they were right to go after it. They, they, it was problems. Yeah. They, had to, they had to be antibodies. There was some... There was, they had to you uh, were stop right. the threat. You, were, you, were, you killed yeah. a billion. I agree 100%. Something. I agree yeah. with you on that. You just could have made it more fun. They could have yeah. made it more fun. A That's billion four hundred four hundred four hundred <laughs> Vulcans. A billion plus four hundred. Uh, they, uh, they said billions were in that system, so it was. Um, oh, billions! Oh, yeah, so quite a few people died before by this space amoeba, and we better hope it never returns. It was invading from another galaxy. Uh, I think when we, but I'm sure when Jeff gets to fun facts. Uh, he'll say Sulu wasn't here because he was off filming the Green Berets, as he says every time we do a second season episode. And I'm starting <laughs> to wonder, was Sulu's position in this show overstated and over-exaggerated? Um, because he's clearly not even in half the episodes. Dave, I'm with what? you on this. I, 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 now looking back and knowing the importance of the crew during the movies... And and now watching Takai complain Takai complain about the original series and how he was treated, you gotta wonder he didn't have a big role. Like he wasn't a major player. He's he's like B cast here, C even. Yeah, but you also have to look at it from the other side. Is it because he's a B and C cast because of the fact that him and Shatner never got along? Sure, did. Oh, but, oh, but, oh. Shatner was probably pissed oh, yeah. off that he wasn't getting a good movie like fucking Green Berets. That was a great movie. It was a good movie, but here's the thing, though. You you know, other than McCoy, Kirk, and uh, um, Spock, nobody's got big roles. That's true. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just it's really not threesome who are are the stars of the show. And well, even then, Kirk is the credit. The credits told you that. Like it's you know yeah. they're the other ones that have headline credits, and then everybody else is yeah. in the end credits, right? 
But the other guys really became stars in the movies. Yeah. Yes. Well, Scotty for sure. Scotty absolutely, hundred percent. Um, Scotty had even, more to do in in that uh, Star Trek Next Gen episode Relics than he did in any original TV series. Original series. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Dad, are you familiar with the feud between George Takei and William Shatner? No, not really. Not that much of it. Yeah, so there's been a long-standing feud between George Takei and, and William Shatner, both still alive, uh, and they both still hate each other's guts. Yeah. And uh, they go, but like, and one, I think recently Shatner just had enough of it. You know, he was just like, "Who was George Takei on this show? Guy who showed up once a week and read two lines, and he thinks he knows what was going on on the show all the time." And um, because basically Sulu's been calling him a like a diva and uh, like a <laughs> well, a, an attention. <laughs> you know I think that's what? That's pretty. I think that's pretty uh, pretty relevant, though. Is it true? Are these? Are, I think it's just that both of these guys have massive egos and for <laughs> themselves. I, I think but, both of them yeah, are equally retarded when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, yeah. they're both as it is with actors, a lot of actors. Anyway, it's yeah, it's not unlike some sports athletes that can't stand each other that played with each other for years. Uh, it, oh, yeah. It's it's probably just a bit of ego. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I think, um, I think Shatner just turned 89. Yes. And George Takei is not that much younger. Than he's him. almost 90. Um, War Factor 5, Captain. Yeah. He's about, yeah. George Takei is about six years younger than Shatner. So um, he's 83. So he's 83. So these two old men bickering till their graves. We will never go away. Yeah. Who are anyway, guys, it's kind of like Ange guys, Angelo Mosca and Joe Cap. Adam? Those are? No. Remember Angela Mosco and, and, and Joe oh, Cash got in a fight yes, on the stage? Yes, yes, I do know. To celebrate the 75th Grey Cup? Yes. He's hitting him with his uh his cane. Is this uh is this about football? Similar. CFL. Yeah, but Angela Mo Angela Mosca uh, also became yeah, a professional wrestler. Yeah, Angela Mosca was a wrestler. That's right. Yeah. So, That's right. Unbelievable. Yeah. Jeff, are you ready for they were in their seventies? Fight in their seventies. Great, Jeff. Do you have fun facts? Yeah, they did on the stage at the Great Cup. I am. Um, if you're there, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm ready. I have some fun facts. All right. You ready? Fun uh, facts with Jeff. There's actually, some interesting things here. Wow. This terrible. episode uh, has a lot of firsts and lasts. Okay. Good. So this is the la this is the last time the interior of a shuttlecraft is shown in this series. Interior, not an exterior. Uh, yeah, this is the first. Yeah, the last time an interior will be shown. This is the last time in which Kirk's green round tunic was used. The last time viewers would see the shirt, though, would be uh, in Bread and Circuses, which would, would be filmed earlier but wouldn't air until almost a year later. I love that green um, round shirt. It's amazing. Yeah, you, well, it's you, already. You like it? I do I like know. it. Do you think Kirk would rather wear the green one or the yellow one? Or the green one. He wants to stand out. Right. Uh, the space amoebas of optical effects were created by Frank Vandevia of Vandevia Photo Effects. The amoeba itself was a mixture of liquids pressed between two thin sheets of glass. As the sheets were moved, the liquid would flow as if the amoeba were pulsating. I just wanted to bring this up for you, Jeff. So you could, uh, where's the space amoeba? There it is. There you go. But we saw that this is the remastered effect, right? 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. You could look up the original one, I guess. Do you think this is a good special effect? No. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think if this was the original special effect, they did a really good job. Yeah, if it's the, if that's the original, then great. Um, this is the first episode ending with a Paramount Television logo instead of the Desilu logo after Desilu was sold to Paramount. Desilu. Desilu. I don't know. Desilu. Desilu. Um, so every episode before this, if you look at the end credits, it would end with Desilu. And this is the first episode that ends with it just says Paramount Pictures. It doesn't, they don't even have to go to the title Desilu screen. So that begs the question are the Desilu episodes better or are the Paramount Picture episodes better? Because this is about half, this is about halfway through the show, halfway through the show. So is the first half better or the second half better? Well, we all we I think that you could say that the third season is uh, oh, what did I do there? The third season, Jeff, is bad, um, of or is, is is objectively not as good as the first two seasons of the of the series. So I think you could argue that Desi Lu has a better run. Uh, Desi Lu also connected to Lucille Ball, who was the original financier, um, and who is her, whoever her husband is. I, I forget right now. Ricky, right? Or something. Desi. His name was Desi uh, Arnaz. Dizzy Arnaz. Yeah. Ricky Ricardo Lou? is his character. Because Ricky Lucy Ricardo, yes. and Dizzy. Right. Jeff, do you know that you know when mom calls Rich, our brother Rich, Ricky Ricardo? Yes. <laughs> I know where it comes from. That's it. That's it. There you go. Um, although the name was cut from the final draft, the captain of the USS Intrepid was named Satak. Hmm. I think I'm saying I that right. I would have loved to have seen that crew, like the all Vulcan crew in the in the. I'm sure they couldn't have done that many pointy years, maybe. But um, Kirk needed to talk to Scotty about five times about how much the shields are being drained, Dave. Like that that was a needed thing in this episode. They couldn't cut <laughs> one of those. No, no time for Vulcans. No, no time. For Vulcans. That's too much makeup. Cost too much money. Um, the end credits include a makeup test shot of Bill Blackburn, who normally played Hadley as the android from Star Trek Return to, Return to Tomorrow, wearing a brown velour zippered top. So it wasn't it wasn't that guy then. It was the other, it was Hadley. It, it wasn't yeah. Kyle. It was Bill Blackburn. It was Bill Blackburn. John Winston, who played Kyle, wears a golden a gold. Oh wait, uniform. he is in the. Then you're saying Kyle is here? No, John Winston, yeah. who plays Kyle, wears a gold uniform for the only time in the series. This was done so that he would match the stock footage from the captain's chair viewpoint, showing Chekhov and Hadley's right shoulder. This was apparently arranged partway through filming. However, since in the teaser, Kyle can briefly be seen at the helm wearing his typical red uniform. So they just switched him so the continuity would look right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is also on. Well, I, I, I found this on. Um, uh, what's it called? Memory Alpha. It says William Shatter consistently mispronounces Kyle's name as Cowl. So you guys are right. Well, he that's does. What, that's what Ted was saying. Yeah. yeah he. Yeah. yeah. It's confirmed. Okay. The equipment inside the shuttlecraft yeah, that's uh, include. Included computer banks that were previously seen in the Starbase operations room in Star Trek The Menagerie Part 1. And the Eminian War Room in Star Trek A Taste of Armageddon, which I think we watched last week. Interesting. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. A couple Sorry. weeks ago. Yeah. That was oh, for D-69. Yeah. We had an Armageddon D-69. That was four weeks ago. That was four weeks ago we watched this one. 
The young crew woman whom Kirk admires as he records his log at the end you of mean the check show, out her butt. Right. Appears to be the same extra who portrayed the second female Klingon in Day of the Dove. What there you career go. she had. Um we got we got a couple more here. Um well I have uh one sec. This was spoofed in the XXX track, The Final Orgasm. So there you go. Oh, that's I'm downloading fun. that. That's a fun <laughs> This fact. episode was spoofed in in a yeah, Star Trek porn. In a Star well, Trek porn called The Final they, Orgasm. They, things going into black holes, Dave. Clue in. Yeah. Ah, that yeah. Makes sense. And amoebas <laughs> filled with jelly or whatever it is. Um, Protoplasm. <laughs> Protoplasm. Spock explains that Vulcan was never conquered and that Vulcan collective consciousness cannot conceive of the feeling of being conquered. However, in Star Trek The Conscious of the King, McCoy says, now I know why they are were conquered in response to Spock's refusal to drink alcohol. This might be explained by Vulcan never having been conquered, but one or more of their colonies having been annexed by another power at some point. Or more likely that McCoy just doesn't know Vulcan history very well. well yeah, I, I, that seems more likely. Vulcans don't seem... like I know Vulcans are pacifists, but they will um, fight as well right um okay so in the remastered version of the doomsday machine which i noticed this tonight too that the the two shuttlecrafts are seen in enterprise's hangar in this one the galileo is the only one on screen this is because commodore matthew decker used the columbus in his su suicidal attempt to destroy the planet killer the enterprise had not put in for resupply since that incident thus the columbus had not been yet been replaced so interesting there you go well, yeah, and Very so this made well. This episode definitely makes uh, seeing seeing the Galileo, the shuttlecraft Galileo, and the there's an episode called the Galileo Seven, um, you know. But it, the it, the shuttle in, in the interior looked um, very different. But uh, question I have for the group is: Do you guys like this shuttlecraft design, or do you think it looks no pretty dated now? It looks like a box. I, I don't like any of the shuttlecraft except it looks like a garage door opener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Yes. Yeah, you know, they did such a great job on the Enterprise, kind of and, and they never, they just, it's like there was no creative left over. They took a box and, and carved out a, a ship, you know, throw some well, salt in it, we're good to go. Well, especially when you look at the fact that, like, they, the model on some of the ships that they used, like, during the series was phenomenal. Like, the Enterprise, obviously, very iconic. Um, you know, various other ships are amazing. Like, why did they... It's almost like they're like, okay, well, we have we have two boxes and two tubes left. Uh, exactly. All right, let's put them together, and uh, this is now a shuttle. Like, I always feel like they just like took a bus and wrapped it. You know, it, it's like a VW and, bus or something. Yeah, it, there's no it. creativity. They're boring. Even the next, like all of them, they just except for Defiant, which I guess isn't really a shuttle. So no, Defiant's no. not a shuttle. It's just a really small ship. <laughs> Um, the final bit of Kirk looking at a crew woman and repeating his line about hoping to get some rest on some lovely planet was not in the script. It was added by William Shatner and director Joseph Pevney during the filming. A dog. There's a so, shocker. That's a shock that William Because <laughs> he's Shatner like, that's won. how the episode starts and that's how the episode should end. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm horny now <laughs> and I'm horny then. He's like, back that's that William Shatner creativity going right there. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a 47 reference. Okay. I don't know why 47 is an important number in Star Trek, but there's two 
uh, references in this episode. One is uh, Spock says that the shuttle shield will last only 47 minutes. And Spock also reports that um, his life support will only last for 47 minutes. I don't know what the significance of 47 is. I don't know either, but it always comes up in their fun facts. So that is it. That's it. All right. I have a bonus fun fact, if you'd like it. Go, oh, go for it, Jimmy. Uh, so in the 1992 Game Boy game, Star Trek 25th Anniversary, uh, there is actually a shoot 'em up level based on this episode, which is uh, you fly around space amoebas and they slow you down as you're flying. I just thought that was interesting. Even though it's a shitty episode, it was in a video game. All right, well, let, let's figure out. Let's find out how shitty it is, Jody. So let's, <laughs> let's, get, let's get into the ratings here. Okay, uh, Jody, let's start with you. You're gonna set the bar. Five. Okay, he's giving it a five. Then over to Adam. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll be a little generous. Six. All right, six to. That's a Adam. lot generous. Add. Uh, six point five. Okay. And Jeff. Four eight nine. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, sorry, Jeff, I couldn't I, I couldn't make that through the auto tune. Four point nine. Four point nine? Okay. I think that's what he said, yeah. I'm going as high as seven for this. Um and so that averages between the five of us at a five point nine, just under six. So uh See, I told um, you it's better than Miri. It's better than Miri. It has a 7.6 on IMDb, which is kind of lower than some of the better episodes. So it's kind of, I think that you can kind of chump, chuck. This is an average episode, really, when you look at it overall. It's pretty kind of run-of-the-mill. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's sort of none of those things. So anyway, I personally I, I like it. I started with iMud. So what does that tell you? Yeah. Um, we have an episode for next week. Dad. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Dad. Uh, we need an episode. Yes, uh, it's called Who Mourns for Adonis? It's uh, Adonais. Who Mourns for Adonis? No, it's Adonais. Adonis? Season 2, Episode 2. Yeah, Who Mourns for Adonais? Not Adonis. Oh, this is the Greek one. Well, I know this. I don't even need to watch ones. this one because we just did it. So uh, on Star Trek Radio Theater. So that's going to be easy. Uh, oh, you just did it, Dave? We just did this at production. Yeah. So uh, I was. I played Scotty very badly in it. Uh, Jeff played McCoy. So, uh, it, but it exists. Yes. The best thing about this. The best thing about this episode is the outfit that the one girl wears. A nice dress going on. Yep. The pink, the pink outfit. That's who. That's who <laughs> Kevin played. <laughs> so think about that. Um, anyway, wow. so wrapping up tonight. Let's uh, let's just. Um, so we will be back next Wednesday to start to talk Star Trek the original series again. Who mourns for Adonais, uh, which is when the Greek god Apollo shows up. So um, or so he claims. Um, and the crew has to kind of figure that out. So we're going to be watching that next week. Also, we have a lot of other great things here on, on Live Long and Podcast. Thursday nights, we do Star Trek Discovery rewatches. Adam, you're part of that. Very good this year. 
I agree. We're going into I episode have, I seven. I have to admit, I've been enjoying it. It's uh, the show is move. It's moving. I think the story of the Star Trek universe along, which I they think just is... gotta get. They gotta get rid of that main character. Once they get rid of that main character, that show is gonna be way better. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also do um, Star Trek: D Space Nine rewatches on on Tuesday nights. Jeff, you're part of that. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Yep. And we're, what are we watching next week? It's uh, season two, Whispers. Check that Whispers. out. We're, Whispers. We're, we're going episode by episode in order, and we're halfway through second season. Whispers. Whispers. And also, we do some other great shows here, including Star Trek Radio Theater. And I'm just going to plug that uh, quickly here. Um, check it out. This Saturday night, we're going to be doing the next generation episode called second chances the introduction of thomas Riker, and we didn't have enough lines to really go around here so we're having a different way different person playing william Riker and a different person playing uh thomas Riker, basically and uh and uh well, that's gonna, gonna be awkward because they sound different well we're gonna see how this goes so it's good <laughs> this is this is what it is and it's a uh, episode, so that, it's a good episode i like this episode. it is a good episode yeah yeah, so this is where there's a transporter duplicate who was created of Riker, and he finds out, and and it causes some issues because Mott will be playing Deanna Troy, and he'll be in that uh, love triangle. Also, also, in a few weeks, for on December twelfth, we are going to be doing the finale of the first season of Star Trek Radio Theater, and we're bringing in a whole big cast for this. We're doing Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Oh, we got. Uh, and uh, you can see here, Jody, you're gonna be you're back in for, as Captain Montgomery Scott. Yeah, I got I got wind that somebody did Scotty terribly, so I had to come back. Yeah, yeah, you have to come back and 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 revive this role. That's right. I didn't play it very well. I'm gonna be playing the Klingon ambassador and a few others. And also check out our other channel this Sunday, Trivial Debates. We're going to be doing a battle here with Jamil Robinson hosting. We got Chris versus Adam versus Jody, two members from this Wednesday night podcast who are going to be in the fold. Uh, make sure to check that out. So it's um, going to be basically Adam and me. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Adam, I know you, you don't know Chris yet, but you're, you're, you will know him by the end of these two oh, hours. Or whatever. You're in for a treat, you are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so check all that out. Think um, absent-minded crackhead. That's the easiest way to remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So I plugged everything. Our other channel, Super Mater Brothers Podcasting. We're on hiatus right now, but whenever Survivor and or Big Brother come back, we will be back. So um I think that's it. Anything else you guys want to say? Nope. Uh I'd like to thank the Academy. Uh, no. I'd like to thank uh, the, all the panel tonight. Uh, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Jody, Jeff, and Dad. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Okay. Have a good night, everybody. And uh, live long and podcast. Oh, thank you.